Hello and welcome to another episode of Right Care Baptist. I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. And I'm Amanda Comer. I'm a nurse practitioner and the system director for advanced practice providers. And today we are very honored to have on Dr. Jason Fong to talk about the obesity epidemic and his book, The Obesity Code. Hi, how are you? Doing great. Thanks again for, for coming on today. For the audience, can you just give a little bit of your background and tell them what you do? Yeah, so I'm a a kidney specialist and nephrologist by training, um, but became very interested in the question of sort of weight loss because um, I see a lot of type 2 diabetics, and when you lose weight, then their diabetes very often gets much better or even goes away completely. So I became very interested in the question of how to get people to lose weight because the standard advice, which was just count your calories, uh, and cut your calories was so just uh, spectacularly uh, ineffective. Uh, everybody's done it. The failure rates are like sort of 95% sort of thing. And yet it was still sort of the standard advice of most medical practitioners, which seemed to me wrong. So that's where I became very interested in that and started writing about it. So I read your book and it it all sounds so familiar. You know, I've cut calories, I've counted macros, I've I've counted carbs. Um, so let's just start with what's the current state of obesity epidemic? Well, it's a it's it's still a big problem. So it sort of began in the 1970s and has been uh, generally accelerating, and it's been hitting sort of younger and younger people. So if you look back at uh, childhood obesity, for example, it used to be quite unusual, and now of course it's not unusual at all. And uh, there's multiple factors that go into um, what's going on, but. Um, you know, a lot of uh, the sort of um, things that have uh, happened in society, like eating out more and more junk food. You see there's more, more McDonald's and um, uh, processed foods. Uh, a lot of that has contributed. Um, but, you know, it's not the, the whole story of, of things. There's, there's sort of a lot of pieces that go on. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's really just been continuing and really hasn't changed much in the last uh, sort of 30, 40 years, which is why we need sort of more tools to get people to lose weight so that they will become uh, healthier in the future. Yeah, we're, we're recording this from Memphis, Tennessee, and, and, of course, in the southeast of the United States, every time they release a new obesity map, um, you know, our states tend to get a new color very quickly. We have a lot of hospitals and clinics in Mississippi as well. And so it's, um, it's, you know, it's certainly a very acute issue for us down here. Um, and you're right, just a lot of the standard device that we've been giving just haven't, hasn't seemed to work. And so take us through that. What do we get wrong when we advise patients on weight loss? I think that um, one of the big mistakes is just focusing in on calories because, you know, calories is one measure of food. That is how much food energy is contained within that food. Right. So the food has 100 calories, but you could, it could be a cookie or it could be broccoli. The problem with just counting calories is that when you eat cookies or if you broccoli or salmon, the hormonal response to that food is completely different. So therefore, your body can do different things with it. You can store it as body fat or you can burn it. 
right? And which one it does obviously makes a huge difference, but it's the same number of calories. So if you just look at calories, you're going to miss the whole story because you're missing that other piece, which is what does the body do with that energy, right? It's, it's uh, no different than if you have gasoline. Well, you could use it and drive your car, or you can just have it sloshing around in your basement sort of thing. One is going to make you sick and one is going to do useful work, right? So, so it's that other piece. So that's where if you say it's all about calories, which is what we've heard for so long, you, you get it wrong because th th let's think about this for a second. Suppose you take 100 calories of cookies and because we know insulin spikes up way high, the body gets the instructions to put those 100 calories directly into storage, which is body fat. So now your body has no energy because all of that energy went directly into body fat. So now you're hungry and you're going to look for more food because you need energy to, you know, generate body heat and for your heart and your liver and your kidneys and so on. Well, that's a completely different story than if you ate something such as, um, you know, an egg or a salad or something where insulin doesn't spike up. The calories are floating around. You're going to use it and not put it into storage. A very different situation, but the same number of calories. So those are those people who say, oh, you could eat ice cream for dinner. If you don't eat your broccoli, you could eat your ice cream. It's like, well, that makes no sense. And if you ask your grandmother, she'd say, you're insane if you think that you can eat cookies uh, all day long and not gain weight because, uh, you know, because it contains different instructions for your body. And that's the critical piece that we're missing when you're just looking at calories. Um, and really the only thing in that, this is the sort of hormonal model, and the only thing that it really says is that some foods are more fattening than other foods because of their hormonal response. And that's just common sense. Cookies, junk food are fattening, and if you're eating salad all day long, you're eating broccoli all day long, you could eat a lot of calories, but you will probably never get fat if you just eat broccoli all day long. It just doesn't happen. So some foods are more fattening than others, that's all. So understanding that, hey, you know, a lot of things make a difference. The macros do make a difference, but it's not just the macros. There's also impacts on the way, the, the order that you eat your food, also impacts on how processed the foods are, right? So if, if certain foods like carbohydrates, for example, are highly refined, that insulin response is much higher than if you have an unrefined carbohydrate. So there's a big difference there. So the other thing, um, so so other than understanding that sort of hormonal piece, the other thing that I think we've gotten a lot wrong is that we basically have ignored the idea of uh, frequency and, and, and sort of the when to eat. So if you think about eating, it's about what you eat. So that's very important. We talk endlessly about what you're supposed to eat, low fat or low carb or whatever, paleo, vegan, whatever. So we talk a lot about what you're supposed to eat. And almost nobody talks about how often you're supposed to eat because that has changed a lot. In the 70s, we ate three meals a day, sort of breakfast, lunch and dinner. And in the 2000s, people are eating six to 10 times a day. And that makes a big difference because every time you eat, your, your insulin goes up and your body wants to store that those calories at, in storage, which is body fat, right? So if you're putting, you know, you're, you're putting down stored fat six times a day versus three times a day is going to make a big difference. But yet we don't, we, we, we don't sort of, we sort of ignore that. So that's where I started to talk about intermittent fasting because again, there's all these sort of myths around fasting and, you know, this is one of the thing. One of the things that is available to people. It's free. It's available. Anybody can do it. It's been used for thousands and thousands of years. Um, and the idea is that if you don't eat, 
Well, your body is going to need energy, calories, and it's going to take it from your storage, which is body fat. So if you have body excess body fat, then just let your body use it. Is it fun? No, not really. But it is a tool that is available for people to lose weight. And why wouldn't you want to do that? Right. And, and, and this and, you know, when I started talking about this in 2012, 2013, honestly, people thought I was just completely insane. People thought, you know, you just keel over and die if you, you, know, you did all this damage to your body from fasting. But, you know, it's 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 in the Bible. It's in the, you know, almost every religion has periods of fasting. If something bad happened to the body, we would have figured it out 2000 years ago, not like yesterday. It's not like, you know, the, you know, so on Yom Kippur, people fast and Ramadan, people fast. So if something, you know, were really, really bad from a physiologic standpoint, we would have figured that out. And, it, you know, the point is that, you know, say you eat 2000 calories a day, but on your body fat, you might have 150,000 calories. So let your body use some of it. You have it stored for a reason. Like the body fat is not there for looks. It's there for you as a store of calories. If yeah. you're putting calories into your body, you're not going to use your stored calories. You would never do that. So the only way you can actually use the stored calories is to not eat. Like if you're eating, you can't burn fat. Yeah. It won't happen ever. You're, you're putting calories in. You're not taking calories out. So that's why uh, this idea that you should eat, eat, eat all the time. Eat 10 times a day to lose weight. I'm like, how exactly do you think that's going to happen? You actually cannot lose weight as you're eating because your body will shut down the sort of burning of, of calories because you're, you're, you're giving different instructions to your body to store it, right? And we know that happens. When, insulin, when you eat, insulin goes up. Insulin blocks lipolysis. You're not going to burn body fat because the instructions you gave your body are to store it, not burn it. I love that. I used to tell patients that if, if you don't get hungry and, and let yourself be hungry, sometimes you're not going to be able to lose weight. You know, if you yeah. eat all the time, you're never going to be hungry. Yeah. I, and the hunger is definitely an issue. Um, you know, it, it's something that people will get as they do fasting. But again, it's 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 not dangerous. So hunger is not a dangerous condition. We know it happens. It's uncomfortable. It's not fun to do. But it it's not something that you would say, oh, okay, this is this is really really bad. It will pass. That's that's the whole thing. And and we know this because there are studies of fasting, for example, where they, um, you know, they they fast people for 24 hours. They measure ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone. And if you miss lunch, for example, yes, you are hungry at 12 o'clock, one o'clock. By four o'clock, your, your hunger level is actually the same as if you ate. And that's very interesting because what's happened, of course, is that your body simply took those calories. They say you eat 500 calories at lunch. Well, it simply took 500 calories from storage. And it's the same thing. You're no longer hungry. Everybody thinks that hunger is a function of how long it is since you've eaten, but it's not true. If you actually look at uh, most people, they're hungriest at 8 p.m. and least hungry at 8 a.m. That's that's just the normal way people are. But 8 a.m. is the period of time that you've gone longest without food, yet you're the least hungry. It's because your body, as you're fasting, so remember, you're supposed to fast every day. That's why there's this word breakfast, break fast. So 
if you go a long time, your body is now happily, you know, using the stored calories and therefore you're not hungry. So it's not a function of how long you've had food in your stomach. If you haven't had food for, you know, 12 hours since since dinner time at 8 a.m., you're still not hungry. So, uh, you know, these 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 hunger things. Yes, it is an issue to deal with the hunger and so on, but it will pass. Do you see benefits in the different hours of fasting, like 12 hours versus 16 versus 24 um, they all work. So it all depends on what works uh, in people's schedule and what they find is useful. Some people find that they, um, so, so 12 to 14 used to be a very standard sort of fast. So uh, if you ate dinner at 6 p.m., and again, if you go back to the 60s and 70s, ate dinner at 6 p.m., ate breakfast at 8 a.m., that's a 14-hour fast. That's what people did every single day without thinking about it. Now you talk about you're doing a 14-hour fast and people freak out like you know it's like you know literally every person in america was doing this in the 1970s and there was no issue and if you're a bad boy and got sent to bed you know without dinner you're doing a 20-hour fast yeah. and nobody was nobody was saying oh my god they were killing these people right so the point is that you can do these fasts so minimum i would think on a healthy sort of level would be something like uh 14 12 14 hours you should doing that every day just sort of baseline and then if you want to lose weight all you have to do is sort of extend your fasting period so that you're continuing to allow your body to use its stores uh what what, what, what fasting is is certain trying to transition you from sort of a state the fed state where you're using the calories that you ate to the fasted state where you're using the calories that you've stored away Right. And, and this is the the idea that you have to keep eating all the time is, is, is crazy. It's like it's like, for example, a fridge. Right. So your body has a store. Well, you store food in your fridge. Right. So if you have a fridge and now it's busting out, you can't even put food in the fridge. Do you still need to go to the uh, to the grocery store three times a day? No, but that's what you're doing. <laughs> if you have stores, body fat stores of calories. Well, why do you, if you're not hungry, well, why do you want to, why do you want to eat? Why do you want to eat a snack? Like, but people were saying, oh, you must eat, you must eat, which is the same as if you have no room in your fridge and somebody's telling you, you don't have to go to the store three times a day. You need to go six times a day. I'm like, well, how's that going to work? Like if I go to the grocery store, I'm going to have to put more food in the fridge and I have no room, room in the fridge. So it's the same thing. Your body has those stores. So you're just trying to let your body use it. So 12 hours is a baseline, 14 hours. You can push it to 16. That's a very popular schedule. Sometimes you can push it to 24. Um, and and um, there's no there's no, no sort of right or wrong. If the 16 works for you or the 24 works for you, or some people do multiple days, like two, three days. If that works for you, you can do it. There's no, there's no rules uh, on it. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about medications. Um, so we got a lot of medical staff that are listening to this podcast. What medications contribute to obesity and how in your work do you, you know, de-prescribe or change medications in order to help people lose weight? One of the biggest ones is insulin uh, because insulin is the hormone that tells our body to sort of store energy. And so if you're on, if you have type 2 diabetes, very often you will be prescribed insulin to keep those blood sugars down, which, and, and, and sometimes you have to do that, but you have to know that that insulin is going to cause you weight gain. We know this, that everybody who's ever 
prescribed insulin or taken insulin knows it causes weight gain. So if you can control your blood sugars, for example, with fasting, then you don't need the same amount of insulin because you're using your diet to control it, right? If you don't eat, your body's going to burn sugar and therefore you're going to need less insulin. So think about it this way. If you just continue the way most people continue, which is take more insulin, gain more weight. As you gain more weight, your type 2 diabetes will get worse. As it gets worse, you're going to take more insulin, which is going to make you gain more weight. You're actually going in the wrong direction. You're actually spiraling in a very bad direction. As opposed to say, okay, if somebody has type 2 diabetes, let's do an intensive diet, for example, like with intermittent fasting, with low-carbohydrate diets. So as you do the fasting, your body is going to use the glucose. So you don't need as much insulin to control the sugars because you're using the diet to control the sugars. Now you take less insulin, which is going to cause less weight gain. So you're going to lose some weight, which is going to make your diabetes better, which is going to cause you to need less insulin. Right. But now you're actually going in the right direction. Yeah. You're using less insulin, gaining less weight, and your disease is getting better. So that's probably the biggest one um, that we see. I mean, there are there are other conditions. There are other drugs like uh, steroids that cause weight gain. The problem is with steroids, it's usually for something completely unrelated that you you can't get off of. So if you have asthma, for example, or lupus, you may need steroids, and you will gain weight. That's again one of the known side effects of that. But the diet has less of a role there because if the medication is causing the weight gain, you need to try and get off the medication. The diet is not your sort of root cause, so therefore it's not going to be a lasting solution. And what do you make of the new weight loss drugs that are coming out? You know, how does that influence or, you know, I guess um, add to what you're already doing with fasting? Yeah, I think I actually think that they're actually very good. And a lot of the studies show that they are, in fact, very, very effective uh, drugs. And, if, uh, you know, the semaglutide, for example, essentially it makes you slightly nauseated. So you don't want to eat. And when you don't eat, it's, this, it's a lot easier to do the fasting or you eat less and you still lose weight. So people do very well on that. But the key is not the calories, of course, because that's not the problem. The key is to control the hunger, and therefore you're going to eat less calories. The whole problem with the calories argument is that it's a very simplistic, highly simplistic argument. So if you focus on the calories, well, you're not focusing on the root cause. What is causing you to eat more calories? If it's the fact that your foods are sort of overly processed, then you need to fix that fact that they're overly processed, like eat junk food, for example. If you're eating junk food all the time, that's causing you to eat more calories. But just counting your calories doesn't work because it's the fact that they're highly processed, that you're going to you know, eat fast food all the time. right? That's your root cause. The calories is simply a secondary thing. You can't say, well, I'll still go to McDonald's. I'll just count my calories at McDonald's because you're going to want to eat more because that's how those foods are developed. So it's a very simplistic thing. So same thing with the hunger. If you're hungry all the time because of the way you eat. So you say you eat a lot of refined carbs. All of it goes straight into storage. That leaves you hungry. Now you want more. That's why people in, you know, used to go from breakfast to lunch. Then people went to a very low-fat diet, of course. Then they ate two slices of white bread and jam because in the morning because that's very low-fat. Unfortunately, very, very high in refined carbs and sugar. So all of that went straight into your storage because 
that's what you told it to do. The insulin spiked up, it all went in storage. By 10.30, you're ravenously hungry and looking for a low-fat muffin. Same thing. All of it was refined white, white flour and sugar, spiked up your insulin. You know, all of that went straight into storage because that's what you told it to do. And then by 12 o'clock, you're ravenously hungry again. So you're eating more calories because you're hungry. So yes, you can control your calories, but no, you can't control your hunger. You can't decide to be less hungry. You have to look for the root cause of those calories. Like, why are you eating more calories? So you're trying to go one level deeper in understanding, right? So yes, calories are going to cause weight gain, but the, that's not the question. Why are you eating more calories, right? And that's trying to get to the sort of root cause of the problem, which is why calorie counting is so simplistic. It's sort of like if you have a, a, a leaky pipe and you have water and somebody says, well, just mop up the water, right? It's water in, water out. Like it's, you know, the first law of thermodynamics for water, right? You can't create water, so it's just water. So you just mop it up. It's like, well, that's not going to fix the cause. That's not going to fix the problem. You have to fix the pipe. You have to fix the leak because that's what's actually a problem. So if your problem is that you're eating too many refined carbs or too much junk food, you have to fix that. You can't fix the calories instead. Yes, maybe you are eating more calories because you're eating a lot of refined carbs, but that was not your problem. That's just the proximate cause. It's not the ultimate cause. You got to fix the ultimate cause. And that's what I mean, you know, when I say, you know, you really have to think a little bit deeper about this whole issue about what it is that's causing the problem. And that's where, uh, you know, some of these you know, intermittent fasting and stuff do do uh, play a role because again, you're 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 trying to allow your body to to access the stores of body fat. Sure. So in the obesity code, you mentioned the body has a body set weight, and I was interested in the tactics that you suggest to to lower my body set weight. Yeah, and that's probably related to the insulin and insulin resistance. That is, if uh, you have this phenomenon called insulin resistance, which can cause the insulin to go high. So keeping in mind that this is independent of the food that you eat. So if you get this insulin resistance, you know, syndrome, um, then your body is going to react to it by creating more insulin. When you create more insulin, of course, that's the instruction to gain more body fat. So therefore, there's actually a mechanism within the body to sort of stay at this normal set weight, but it comes down. Uh, so, so, so that's why it's hard to lose weight, because as you lose weight, if you're simply counting calories and not fixing the sort of hormonal status, which is this hyperinsulinemia, then so, so how high your insulin level is, is going to determine uh, sort of what your body you know, set weight is going to be. So you want to try and lower it by lowering the hormones, which is, you know, again, coming back to it's it's more than just calories. It's, you know, just this whole calorie in, calorie out thing doesn't really work because, and, and we know it doesn't work. We actually know exactly know what, we, we know exactly why it doesn't work because if you try to lose weight by just counting calories and not fixing the hormonal problem, then what happens is that you get hungrier and that's not because of anything like you can measure the ghrelin, which is the hunger hormones. You can measure satiety hormones. And as you lose weight, your 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 ghrelin goes up, your you know, your satiety hormones go down. So you're actually physically hungrier. There's no it, it, it's the hormones that are telling you and that your your metabolic rate goes down. So you're going to regain that body weight. So it's, it's about making sure that the hormones are set properly. And people think that it's an impossible task. But again, 
literally sort of 90 plus percent of people in the 70s didn't have this issue. And now it's sort of, you know, obesity, overweight is sort of 40, 50, 60, 70. It sort of it just kept creeping up. And I think it's close to 70 percent of the adult population, less than kids. But um, so, so clearly it's not a problem with, um, you know, with the human body. Our genetics haven't changed since the 70s. And people always think, you know, the other thing that bothers me is that people always think that weight is all about um, willpower, right? And it always strikes me as as people trying to, like, you know, think about another situation. Say you have, um, you know, you're teaching children. You have 100 children and one child fails. That might be the child's fault. Maybe he didn't study. But what if 70 children fail? Is it the children's fault or is it the teacher's fault? it's far more likely that it's the teacher's fault. So if you, you apply that to obesity, now we have sort of 70% of the population obese. Is it really all these millions of people's individual fault? Or is it the fault of, you know, what we've been telling people, the advice we've been giving people, yeah. right? Uh, that it's all about calories, that you can eat cookies instead of broccoli because there's the same number of calories. Right. Is it, is it really because of bad advice that you should eat six times a day? You should eat 10 times a day. You should cut out all the fat from your diet, which was, you know, part of the problem. Right. In the 70s, we went this super low fat and we actually asked companies to develop low fat products like processed foods that would be lower in fat because we thought they'd be better for us. We switched from butter to margarine. Margarine turned out to be like a horrible product. And nobody uh, much eats it anymore because it had all this trans fat in it. So, but we, you know, there was this idea that we should be eating more processed foods. This was in the 70s. And that may have contributed largely to this problem because processed foods are, you know, they're not natural. Your body doesn't process them properly. Uh, you don't get the same satiety, for example. So when you eat processed foods, you may not feel as full as you, when you eat sort of whole foods. So, you know, clearly there's a whole lot going on here, but, you know, this idea, is, and, and you see this all in the calories uh, proponents who want to sort of say, well, it's an individual's fault, right? But, but I don't think it is. I don't think that people have changed much. I don't think that the obesity epidemic is just an epidemic of low willpower. I think, and, and it's spreading, it's spreading to other countries in the world. Uh, I don't think it's because they're lazy or have no willpower. So, so, you know, I think that it's, you know, to change it, we have to change our ideas of what, what, what causes weight gain, what causes weight loss, what are the tools we're going to use. Um, and that's, you know, that's where I hope things like, you know, the diet is one thing and also fasting is another thing. And I hope that those will help people. Well, Jason, I know we're running close to time. There's so much more I would love to ask you. I and mean, we hadn't touched on you know, artificial sweeteners and low-cal, no-cal sodas or, you know, exercise. You know, I've run four marathons thinking that was going to help me lose weight. And every time I ended up probably gaining weight <laughs> in that process. So, um, but I'd love to hear, you know, your thoughts on those quickly. And then, you know, also just any any further advice you can give to, um, you know, our primary care physicians or any other physicians that's out there treating this um yeah, so um, for artificial sweeteners, so to me, again, it's not about the calories. And, and, and the truth is that artificial sweeteners uh, and, and low-calorie foods, it doesn't work. Like, who has ever said, oh, you know what, I just switched from Coke to Diet Coke, 
lost 25 pounds. <laughs> like nobody ever. I know because everybody. I tried every day. <laughs> you know, um, and, and because you focused on the wrong thing, it's not the calories. It's why you're eating the calories, right? So you're trying to go that one step deeper, that extra why question. So the problem with sweeteners is that when you take something sweet, you actually stimulate your appetite. That's what an appetizer is. It's a small portion of food, very uh, you know tasty. When you take a small amount of food, you increase the appetite because you're thinking about it. You got the sweetness in. Artificial sweeteners are the same. You're actually going to increase your appetite and therefore you're probably going to um, not have a good effect on overall weight gain. Um, so if you use it properly, sure, it can be used fine, but as a tool, it's generally not because um, it, it, it's targeting the wrong thing. You're, you're making people hungrier by stimulating that appetite. Even though you don't have calories, they'll wind up getting more elsewhere. Exercise is another great question. Exercise is clearly, clearly good for you. But in terms of weight loss, it's actually a very, very inefficient way to go. Because remember that it's most of your, uh, the energy that you use is metabolic rate, which is your brain, your liver, your heart, your kidneys, generation of body heat. Well, for most people, exercise is just a, a small portion of the overall uh, thing and the other problem is that as you uh, you know exercise you're increasing your um, skeletal muscles right that's the the muscles but you can't affect any of the other uh, organs like the livers the kidneys or anything else so as you increase that exercise what they found is that one you're going to stimulate the appetite so there's a small increase in hunger afterwards so while you're exercising you're not hungry but afterwards you are more hungry. That's why they call it, call it working up an appetite. And the other thing is that as your exercise goes up to higher and higher levels, your metabolic rate actually goes down. Um, so it's not additive. So if you exercise a lot, um, then your basal metabolic rate, which is the amount of energy used for everything else, body heat, brain, liver, kidneys, actually will start to go down. And that's going to limit the effectiveness of exercise as a weight loss mechanism. So again, it's focused on the wrong thing. You're focused on the calories, the pure thing, the calorie part of things, as opposed to the hormonal side of things, because you know that's that's what's important. What's regulating your appetite? What's regulating your hunger? What's regulating how much you know? It's 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 how much energy is going to be used versus how much is going to be stored, right? So. You know, those are all very important things, and those are all not affected by exercise. So it's just a very inefficient way to lose weight. Yes, it's healthy. Everybody should be doing it, no question. Um, but it's sort of, but as a weight loss mechanism, it's it's not good for you. So I'm not against exercise, but to me, it's like, you know, I, I say it's like it's like brushing your teeth, right? You should do it every day, but don't expect to lose weight. That is not going to happen. Same with exercise. You should do it, but don't expect to lose a lot of weight. It can be a small adjunct at, at the best of times, and it will certainly make you healthier in a lot of ways. Well, well thank you again for, for taking the time to come on, and, and I certainly learned a lot from reading your book. Um, and you know, we'll certainly use the advice that when I talk with patients. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Right Care Baptist. Remember, if you follow the link in the show notes, you can redeem this episode for CME credit.